Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems, too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and, of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. The truth is the most convincing story that maps onto reality, and that's why the central narrative is falling apart. Right now in the United States, people should not be walking around with masks. You must see the central narrative for the fiction that it is. While elections are sometimes messy, this was a secure election. The founders began the fight for human liberty and self-governance, and it's up to us to finish the job. I tell you what, we are in a truth emergency right now. This is the end game. It's Tuesday, February 21st, 2023, the 762nd day of dystopia. I'm your moderator, Chris Paul. Let's be reasonable. A warm welcome and hello to all of you listening to the podcast on the day of its release. The only way to do that is by becoming a paid subscriber at I'mYourModerator.Substack.com. You can do so for as little as $50 a year or $5 a month, and in doing so, you will be supporting me, the work I do, and this show as it expands. And if you can't or you simply don't want to, continue listening to the podcast for free on a wide variety of podcast platforms and, of course, Rumble. All I ask is that you share it with your friends. You can find the links to the podcast, the writing, the social media, and the merch site by visiting linktree.com slash I'm your moderator. I want to start today with a Twitter thread by a woman named Caitlin Johnstone. Now, I don't know a lot about her. Some people have said she's a leftist. That may very well be true. But what she says here is correct. And 
I just want to focus on that. If you want to pick into Caitlin Johnstone and figure out exactly who she is, go ahead. Let me know. I'm open to all the possible answers. I'm only focused on the words on the page. Now that we've got that out of the way, here's the thread. Free speech is meaningless if you don't use it to oppose power. In Western quote unquote democracies, the majority of people are so effectively propagandized into speaking in alignment with the interests of the Western empire that they may as well be taking orders on what to say at gunpoint. In totalitarian regimes, you say what your rulers want you to say because they physically coerce you using the threat of violence. In free democracies, you say what your rulers want you to say because they psychologically coerce you using propaganda. The end result is the same. In totalitarian regimes, it feels dangerous to voice dissent because your life is in danger. In Western free democracies, it feels dangerous to voice dissent because you're tormented by cognitive dissonance while being shouted down by your brainwashed countrymen if you do. Reagan once joked about Soviets thinking they are free because they're allowed to criticize the U.S. government as much as they like. But really, that was just projection. Westerners think they have free speech, but they only use that quote unquote free speech to criticize foreign governments. In the West, you have free speech as long as you play along with the fake propaganda worldview about real elections and separate political parties. Republicans can criticize Democrats. Democrats can criticize Republicans. But you're discouraged from criticizing the empire itself. Free speech isn't being able to say Trump is orange or let's go Brandon. Free speech is being able to criticize the actual power structures who are calling the meaningful shots. Nothing in mainstream Western civilization is geared toward letting this happen by design. It's like Americans who say that they need their guns to fight off potential government tyranny while living under the most tyrannical regime on earth. If you're not using your speech to fight real power, then you don't have free speech in any meaningful way. And I think you may have just heard the leftist in her poking out. What's the difference between living under a regime which forbids you to criticize your rulers and living under a regime which psychologically programs you not to want to criticize your rulers? If anything, only that the former have more understanding of what's really going on. And I think that that's insightful. The oppressed understand a reality that the propagandized do not. And that's one of our big problems right now. She adds into the thread a response from one of the thread's readers. The person says, the point of free speech is that you can use it however you want. Johnstone replies, yes, and you are psychologically programmed to want to use it in some ways, but not in others, by lifelong saturation in mass scale manipulation. How is that free? And she's making the point that if you are only given a limited set of options from which to choose... And the limits on those options are set by an oppressive or psychologically coercive regime, then you don't have free speech. What you have is the illusion of free speech within a certain set of options about what you're allowed to say. And we're all quite familiar with this on social media. There are certain subjects you're just not allowed to talk about. So you can stay on the social media platform. So long as you don't violate the rules of the regime, if you do violate the rules of the regime, your quote unquote free speech is taken away completely. 
which is proof that the censorship is already inherent in the system. Deciding that you will abide by the rules in order to remain in the system is deciding that you are willing to accept something less than free speech. And her point is that in either case, the regime wins. She responds to another comment. The commenter writes, American propaganda is not even that good. I find myself constantly annoyed with people that actually buy the lazy stuff they sell. And that is not a smart comment. This may be a totally smart person, but that's not a smart comment. If you are surprised that people are falling for the propaganda, then you are already admitting that the propaganda is good enough to fool this many people. And it is the propaganda is everywhere all the time. And a lot of the work that I've been doing over the last couple of years has been focused on trying to figure out how it is that so many people can stay within this thing while the reality outside them changes and people very close to them in their lives are telling them nonstop that they're wrong about all this, that they have been deceived, that they have been propagandized, that they have been brainwashed. The propaganda is very good. It is so good that it has opened up a false reality for these people. They have an entire world's worth of knowledge that is completely false, but nonetheless still succeeds in providing some baseline understanding of the world around them to the point where they're able to function in that world on some level. You might recall that quote that was attributed to former CIA director William Casey where he said, we'll know our disinformation program is complete when everything the American public believes is false. And if your only exposure to what the American public believes comes from already censored spaces like the legacy social media platforms and the cable news and popular entertainment and popular culture, then you don't imagine that this phrase could ever describe you. People on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram and YouTube and in the cable news think that they are actually having legitimate disagreements about important topics and using their free speech to get to the bottom of things. But the problem is everything inside that informational bubble is already false. And so they continually find themselves arguing about the nuances of things that are already utter falsehoods. And so the Twitter commenter is basically only expressing the idea that he personally is awake and that the propaganda does not work on him. So therefore, it must not be very good. Well, the propaganda is very good and the censorship is very good. That's how we got to this point. The fact that more people are able to see through it all the time is an incredibly positive sign and one I myself am thankful for because I am part of this development. But the propaganda is good. The propaganda is what tells us that everything is going to be OK as long as we leave it in the hands of the experts or this is just how government works or all politicians are corrupt. So it really it just comes down to a matter of opinions. And so I have my party and you have your party and we're just not going to see eye to eye. The propaganda is so good that we actually believe half the country voted for Joe Biden. In fact, more than half, 81 million real legal American votes. That's how many Joe Biden got. And the propaganda is wearing off. Its effect is wearing off. 
it's not good enough anymore to continue achieving the regime's desired outcomes. But the propaganda has been pretty good. We've had decade upon decade of complete and total falsehood in America. And we went along with a whole lot of it. Caitlin Johnstone responds to that comment and says, U.S. propaganda is very, very good. It's the best propaganda that has ever existed by an extremely massive margin. That's the problem. And she's right about that. She ends with what she says is an old joke. A Russian and an American get on a plane in Moscow and get to talking. The Russian says he works for the Kremlin and he's on his way to go learn American propaganda techniques. What American propaganda techniques, asks the American. Exactly, the Russian replies. And that's the key realization. The propaganda really is that good. It's so good that you don't know it's happening. It's so good that you can know propaganda is happening, but think only the other side is subject to it. And this is what normie Democrats and normie Republicans actually do think. MSNBC viewers, CNN viewers, people who are still supporting Joe Biden on Twitter, believe that all of us watch Fox News all day long and believe whatever Fox News says and that we're being propagandized by Fox News. And Fox News viewers believe, by the way, that CNN and MSNBC are propagandizing their audience. And in a way, they're all correct. Fox News is mostly propaganda. CNN and MSNBC are mostly propaganda. But so is nearly every commercial on television. And so is nearly every TV show. And so is the Super Bowl. And so is the Grammys. And so is every movie in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. All of it is propaganda all the time. The propagandists don't need you to believe the same thing that everybody else believes about everything. They just need you to believe the same things everyone else believes about the really important things. Like, for instance, that our elections are legitimate. MSNBC and CNN didn't have any problem in telling you the elections were illegitimate after Trump won. But you're not allowed to talk about it now. Fox News agrees you're not allowed to talk about it now. Election deniers caused the very violent insurrection. According to Fox News, not everyone at Fox News, I know, but Fox News exists to market the central narrative to people with certain sensibilities, different sensibilities than the people watching MSNBC and CNN. And the same central narrative is marketed to them. Sure, they're going to present two sides of the false story and let everybody argue about the nuance. But the story, the central narrative that they're pushing is still almost entirely false. You are given enough truth or quasi truth to keep you attached to the central narrative under the belief that that central narrative really does map on to the reality that exists outside. But that too is part of the propaganda. That is part of the construction of the false reality. And it's important to understand this because it's important to recognize how deeply we've been lied to about pretty much everything. When we think we have reached the bottom, we will find out there is so much more. And as that process continues, as the blinders come off, 
we begin to understand that more and more things are totally fake, including and especially the illusion of free speech. It doesn't matter that we can criticize Joe Biden or AOC and that Rachel Maddow can criticize Donald Trump. It doesn't matter that everybody is allowed to say that Russia is very bad. All you're doing in making those claims is suggesting that there are options of things you are allowed to say, and no one's denying that. It's just that free speech does not exist when there are a list of things you are not allowed to say, backed up by a regime prepared to enforce those rules. And that's why it's critically important that people actually do step outside their comfort zone in order to speak the truth. I've talked about this countless times over the last two and a half years that I've been doing this show five days a week, but here we still are in a situation where countless Americans who know better, who know what's happening, who are awake, still won't actually stand up and speak truth to anyone if they think they might get blowback. And we know the excuses and rationalizations, and I have sympathy for all of them. What I'm encouraging is not something that's going to be immediately fun for everyone. It's not supposed to be something that you just like doing. It just turns out that it's necessary to do it regardless of the consequences, because if you don't, then this continues. If you don't speak up, this period continues indefinitely. But people don't want to lose their jobs. They don't want to lose the respect or admiration or affection from their friends and their family. They don't want to lose their platforms on YouTube or Twitter. They don't want to get in arguments on social media or arguments at the grocery store when someone tells you to put on a mask. They don't want to be kicked out of their social clubs or their social circle. And again, I get it. It's not fun. I went through it in fairly dramatic fashion, and it wasn't among my life's most enjoyable experiences. However, it may have been among my life's most valuable experiences because I found out what my relationships actually were. I found out who cared about me and who didn't. But when you go through that, you also realize that if these people are prepared to end their relationship with you because you don't agree with them about things they don't know anything about, those aren't relationships that you're going to need throughout the rest of your life. In fact, those relationships are very likely weighing you down and inhibiting you from making progress in your life. It's not fun to hear people say mean things about you. It's not fun to lose friends, but it is a massive weight off your shoulders when you realize that those people weren't really your friends in the first place. They're certainly not people you can count on. They're certainly not people who respect your point of view enough to listen to you. But let's even put a finer point on it, because I don't think that people are thinking long term about this. You know, we remember in 2021 throughout 2021, the vaccine mandates put in place by the government as much as they could, but then put in place by people's own employers. And people were scared about their ability to continue working and to earn a living and to be able to take care of their family to be able to pay their mortgage and keep their home. All of those are extremely important concerns. 
And because of the weight of those concerns, a lot of people went out and they got the shot. Many of the people who did that are still suffering the consequences of it. Quite a few of them died. So they violated their principles and did something they knew they shouldn't do because they didn't want to deal with the risk of doing the right thing. And it turned out that they lost on two points instead of one. You can't take care of your family if you're dead. You can't stay in your job if you're unable to do the job. And the worst part is that people, by and large, went down without even fighting. And again, I have a lot of sympathy for these people, but the principle remains the same. You can take the easy way out in the short term. That doesn't mean that it's just going to last. The people who took the shot and kept on working, that's not the end of that issue. You didn't just make a decision that allowed you to keep on working and now everything's fine. You made a decision that allowed you to keep on working and now everything is still not fine because you may well have poisoned yourself. You may well have destroyed your immune system. And again, sympathy. I hope anybody who made that move spends some time figuring out whether or not there are ways to detox your body from that shot. And I hope and pray that there are because I don't want people to be put in that position in the first place, obviously. But I especially don't want people who had a moment of weakness or did something that they knew they might regret because they were forced to and now deal with a life of health consequences from that. I don't want that for anybody. But the point is that every time you comply and every time you submit, what you're doing is setting yourself up for a never ending future of compliance and submission. And yet we continue on because we think it'll all eventually be okay, even if we don't put more skin in the game. We've done what we need to. Now it is the rest of the world's responsibility to get things straightened out. We've already contributed. We don't need to put ourselves at any more risk. We don't need to speak up. We've done our part. And I was having a conversation on Telegram in my Telegram chat over the weekend with some people I really like a lot, but every now and then people get stressed out. They get exhausted. They black pill a little bit. And again, I totally get that too. Totally have sympathy for that. But what choice do you think we have? We have to keep going. That's the entire point. Life presents challenges. We respond to those challenges and push forward. That's the entire point of everything. I wrote an essay in the spring of 2020 called We Were Never Promised Safety, and I still believe that. There's no promise of our safety and comfort for the rest of our lives. If we believe that there is, that is only a product of our culture and of our upbringing in a certain level of comfort that we don't think is possible to ever slip beneath. We're trying to make our lives better and easier and more comfortable. The last thing we want to do is backslide into discomfort and difficulty. But the point is, if you don't stand up and do the hard thing, it's not like it's going to get easier. People can't hide from what's happening in the world right now. Although quite a few have for the last few years. You may not agree with me, but I don't think those people are going to have a good time. Sooner or later, the truth is going to be out about all of it. And absolutely everyone will know where these people have stood because they were all loud about it. They pushed the science and the data 
and the lockdowns and the masks and the vaccines. They covered up election fraud. They make excuses for inflation and immigration. All of these things, all of these issues, they've stayed on the wrong side of all of them because none of it has actually affected their real lives in any way they care about. It doesn't even matter that we think they've acted as awful people because they've already convinced themselves that's us. The point is that the threat is already here. The monster is already inside the house. You can't just wish it away and you can't hope to hide long enough so that it won't get you. You need to get the monster out of the house. And the way you do that is by taking some risks and speaking up and spreading the truth, because that is the thing that ends this all. When the public understands fully what has happened, all of it ends. So in the Telegram chat, my friend said, well, what if nothing gets fixed by the election in 2024 and then they steal that one, too? Well, my first reaction is, why are you worried about something that's happening 20 plus months from now, while we are able to exert direct influence on the likelihood of that happening, there is absolutely no use in worrying about them stealing the 2024 election while we can be out there trying to make sure that can't happen. And again, the number one way to do that is by making sure everyone in the country knows our elections are stolen. More than enough people already believe that but relatively few of them will actually say it in public or argue it to someone who doesn't believe it yet. There's no point in spending our time worrying about something that we can influence and something that we can prevent. But the other part of that is, well, if they steal it, what then? Well, then everybody's going to give up. People are going to be so devastated and that's going to be the end. If they steal the 2024 election, well, then there's absolutely nothing we can do. All hope is lost. Well, no, it's not. They just stole the 2022 midterms and we know that and that's disappointing and it's deflating and people will tune out for a minute while they lick their wounds and get upset. But assuming no one is planning a mass suicide, Everyone still has to keep on going through the difficulties and push forward, which is exactly what we're going to do. And the thing is, if elections aren't real, if they're not legitimate, if they're not giving an outcome that reflects the will of the American people through a free and fair and transparent process, then the elections don't matter in a very important way. They don't matter. Because think about what the big picture here really is. We have a global regime waging a worldwide effort against the people of the world to oppress those people forever. That is what's happening. They are taking over the world country by country by country in cycles of infiltration and revolution. They infiltrate for a while. They change a bunch of things. The people rise up and reduce their power temporarily, and they start the process over again. And over the course of decades and sometimes centuries, the infiltration grows and grows and grows until they take over entire governments and entire societies. And that's what we see in America right now. That's what we see in Europe right now. We see it all across the world. 
And it's not just the militaries of certain countries. It is the global regime versus everyone. It is a war of all against all. And everyone supporting that side is on that side, including your friends and family members and your neighbors. And I'm not by any means claiming that we need to adopt some aggressive warlike posture against the people around us and close to us, because I don't believe that would be effective. But we still need to understand that at some small level, people who are still supporting that side are in a way enemy combatants on that side. Again, we're talking about a psychological war here and an informational war here. The solution is certainly not to use guns to defeat that and go on a killing spree of your friends and neighbors. I am not encouraging that whatsoever. In fact, as I've said many times, all of what's happening right now through this process is being done in order to avoid that situation. But from an informational and psychological aspect, they are enemy combatants. They are doing the exact thing Caitlin Johnstone was talking about. They have through coercion or ignorance or laziness or complicity or potentially outright evil waging a war against you on behalf of the regime. Again, Caitlin Johnstone described it this way. In Western free democracies, it feels dangerous to voice dissent because you're tormented by cognitive dissonance while being shouted down by your brainwashed countrymen if you do. Those brainwashed countrymen shouting you down are doing the work of the regime as the regime wages war against you, a war of all versus all, and they're on the wrong side of it. And you can see them fight for the wrong side every time they tell you, you're not welcome at Thanksgiving or Christmas or the 4th of July party because you're not vaccinated or every time people get together and everyone on their side at the event is allowed to express their political opinions as much as they want. And you're not allowed to fight back because if you do, then the group will collectively shame you. They do it every time you claim an actual instance of censorship or oppression or medical coercion or medical segregation or whatever else it might be that you should just go along with the thing because it's not a big deal. Why were you even saying those things in the first place? That is them waging war against you on behalf of the regime. We are in an information war. We are in a psychological war. And for all intents and purposes, they have taken up arms on that battlefield. But the good thing in an information war and a psychological war is that you don't actually have to kill those people. You just have to convince them that you're not evil and that maybe just maybe they're not as informed as they think they are. And once that doubt seeps in, once they actually have to account for the morality of their decisions, many times they will take themselves off that battlefield. And every person that comes off that battlefield who was fighting for their side is one less person fighting for their side, which means we gain relative power. Our power relative to the global regime increases by that one person. It's great if they become neutral. It's even better 
if they become fully awake and then immediately join our side where we will welcome them with open arms and say, hey, Kami, it happens to the best of us. You kind of did a lot of bad things there, but we'll forgive you if you help us fix some of these problems you yourself participated in causing. But the real key here is viewing this in terms of relative power, the global regime versus sovereign nations and sovereign citizens all around the world, because the global regime exists everywhere. Talked about this a million times. Good twin versus evil twin factions in every country. Some of those factions supporting the global regime, some of those factions supporting sovereign nations and sovereign individuals. We cannot be stuck in this ridiculous paradigm where we think all that matters is elections while also knowing that our elections are illegitimate. Elections are not the only source of real power in this world. They are the primary source of imaginary power in this world. And that's why the regime makes such a big deal about them. They say you people have a choice in front of you. Now you've made that choice. You chose us once again. And now we are going to continue to exert more power. Thank you for giving your consent to our continued use of power. And we are watching what happens as that illusionary power begins to slip away. The writers of The Atlantic still might believe that Joe Biden is the leader of the free world, the most powerful man in the world. But does anyone else believe that? Vladimir Putin doesn't believe that. Xi Jinping doesn't believe that. Donald Trump doesn't believe that. Donald Trump has more relative power right now than Joe Biden does as leader of the free world. So how does that work? How could it be that elections are all that matter. What matters is relative power and our relative power increases every day while the global regime's relative power decreases. And our relative power is increasing at an accelerating rate and will continue to for as long as the truth continues spreading. If we want to fast forward this little movie, the way to do that is by making sure that everyone is watching what's actually happening, and not just believing whatever their television tells them to believe, and their society, their culture, their family, their friends, their place of employment tells them to believe. And the only way to reverse this relative power dynamic and the directionality of it is for some major event to happen where everybody jumps on board and immediately agrees that the regime is right and the regime's the only entity that could possibly ever fix this problem. And that's why we see so many scare events and we worry about potential scare events in the future. What if they nuke something? Then will everybody go back to the regime? No. In fact, more people are likely to wake up from that event than just about anything else I can think of. And at that point, our relative power will increase again. And so you can't fear these events. The fear is the point. That's why they're referred to as scare events, which means every time you are fearful of what the regime might do, you are actually helping their cause. That's how they take you off the battlefield. That's how they make it so that you stop fighting. 
and so that you stop telling the truth. And the more massive the event, the harder it is to tell the truth about it. Think back to a year ago in the run up to this Russia Ukraine conflict. And in the first days of the event, it wasn't very comfortable to be out there saying, hey, no one should be supporting Ukraine. They have actual Nazis there. They have U.S. Defense Department funded bioweapons labs there. Ukraine is one of the most corrupt states in the world. Ukraine's president is a comedic actor and puppet. It wasn't that much fun to be out there saying that. And it's especially difficult when both sides of the old paradigm are agreeing that the underlying story is true. Vladimir Putin is invading Ukraine and we must protect the sovereignty and the democracy of Ukraine, their territorial integrity and the brave Ukrainian citizens. We must all get their back against this violent, brutal war of choice, war of aggression, this awful invasion by the dictator Vladimir Putin, who's one of the most evil men of all time, according to the regime. It's not fun to stick your neck out there and say, hey, that Paul Pelosi thing, ah, that's just not true because you're going to get punished. You're going to get shouted down. People are going to say you're very mean. You're very insensitive. Oh, that poor old man was hit by a hammer. You're protecting MAGA extremists because you don't like Nancy Pelosi. You're an awful person. And they love those events because those events are their opportunities to marginalize the people who are telling the truth and even some of the people who are open to hearing from those people telling the truth will feel so upset and so uncomfortable and so threatened by what the culture is telling them that they will reunite with that side and begin supporting the regime again. That is their counter effort to our effort in spreading truth and attempting to wake people up to what's actually going on. That's why they need these constant events. But the war is all against all, and it's going to continue for as long as it takes to reach that critical mass where people are willing to stand up and speak the truth and deal with the consequences so that we can continue to push forward. The entire point is relative power, and we increase our relative power by pushing back against the propaganda, pushing back against the censorship and every various form of oppression everything they try to scare our society about. We push back on that constantly. And in the process, we need to take people off the informational and psychological battlefield by changing the incentive structure and by weakening the effectiveness of the tools they're using. And that's exactly what's been happening throughout this entire time. Our relative power has only been increasing, which is why the effort from the other side continues to get more dramatic and more absurd and in some way more threatening. Don't get me wrong. The stories that are out there do present a much scarier future than we have ever had to think about before, at least since the height of the Cold War or maybe for a brief period after 9-11. But there's no sense in being afraid of these people when the side you're on continues to increase in power relative to their side. 
And if our relative power continues to increase every day between now and November of 2024, first of all, I doubt we're going to have to worry about stolen elections. But second of all, it's not going to matter because we will be so much stronger relative to them by then. It will be even easier to accomplish the tasks we need to accomplish. If you want it to go faster, be brave, be active, and spread truth. When everyone has figured it out, they're not going to have any way to respond to any of that unless they're just going to kill us all. And I'm not saying they won't try to do that. But if that's the ultimate plan, then why are you worried about losing your job? Why are you worried about whether or not that guy Dave at the bar is still going to like you? All of the truly awful outcomes can only become reality if we fail to stop them. And the way we would fail to stop them is by deciding it's no longer worth it to fight. Now, speaking of relative power, Joe Biden is in Europe giving nonsense babble to crowds of Europeans larger than any crowd Joe Biden has ever drawn in his life in America about how the U.S. can't wait for World War III. Meanwhile, Donald Trump, who's not president, is exercising real power and telling the country what he plans to do to fix things when he is once again recognized as the duly elected president of the United States of America. He released a statement yesterday on crime. Here it is. Joe Biden and the defund the police Democrats have turned our once great cities into cesspools of bloodshed and crime. There's never been anything like it. Here's my plan to restore law and order in our cities and throughout our country, frankly. First, because police forces have been gutted by Democrats' war on police, I will sign a record investment in hiring, retention, and training for police officers nationwide. So important. This bill will also increase vital liability protections for officers because the Democrats want to take those protections away from our police because we want them to do their jobs and we want them to do their jobs right. You can't take their protections away if you're going to have them do their jobs properly. Second, to qualify for this new funding and all other Justice Department grants, I will insist that local jurisdictions return to proven common-sense policing measures, such as stop and frisk. Very simple. You stop them and you frisk them. Strictly enforcing existing gun laws against convicted felons, cracking down on the open use of illegal drugs, and cooperating with ICE to get criminal aliens off our streets and get them out of our country. Third, we will go after the radical Marxist prosecutors who are abolishing cash bail, refusing to charge crimes, and surrendering our cities to violent criminals. They have surrendered like never before. I will direct the DOJ to open civil rights investigations into radical left prosecutors' offices, such as those in Chicago, L.A., and San Francisco, to determine whether they have illegally engaged in race-based enforcement of the law. I will also work with Congress to give the victims of their Marxist policies the right to sue local officials for harm and suffering, and it has been great that they have caused. 
If your small business is pillaged because shoplifting goes unpunished, if you're brutally attacked by a violent felon released without bail or bond, then you will be entitled to massive damages. Fourth, I will order the Department of Justice, or some people call it the Department of Injustice right now, and Homeland Security dismantle every gang, street crew, and drug network in America. Every single one of them will be dismantled. We already know where these turf wars and drug dens are. We know who the people are. And we're going to charge them and charge the culprits with every crime that we can find. We're going to be fair, but we're going to be tough. We also need the death penalty for drug dealers. So important. And I'd add to that human traffickers. Drug dealers and human traffickers, they get the death penalty. Watch it stop and stop quickly. Fifth, in cities where there has been a complete breakdown of law and order, where the fundamental right of our citizens are being intolerably violated, I will not hesitate to send in federal assets, including the National Guard, until safety is restored. If Nancy Pelosi would have accepted our National Guard or our soldiers, you wouldn't have had January 6th. But she and the mayor of D.C. didn't do that. Sixth, we will end the leftist takeover of school discipline and juvenile justice. Many of these carjackers and criminals are 13, 14, and 15 years old. I will order the education and justice departments to overhaul federal standards on disciplining minors. So when troubled youth are out in control, they're out on the streets, and they're going wild, we will stop it. The consequences are swift certain and strong, and they will know that. Seventh, I will protect the right of self-defense everywhere it is under siege, and I will sign concealed carry reciprocity. Your Second Amendment does not end at the state line. In addition, I will, of course, fully secure the border, dramatically increase interior enforcement, and wage war on the cartels. We have never had a border so secure as it was just two years ago and now our border is the worst anywhere in the world and possibly of all time. There's never been a country that allowed to happen what's happening in the United States right now where millions of people are pouring across our borders. They come from mental institutions. They come from the prisons. They're all being let out so they can come into the United States. They're poisoning our country. We will also take back our streets from the homeless, the drug addicted, and the mentally ill. I will discuss those plans in much more detail very soon. That is how I will bring back public safety to America. I want to thank you. We're going to make America great again, and we're going to make America safe again. Thank you. Now, that is not only a comprehensive plan of action on crime. That is essentially a direct refutation of each and every part of the global regime's agenda in America, where it concerns crime. They want police defunded. Donald Trump wants to invest in hiring retention and training for police officers and make sure that their liability protections remain in place so that they can do their jobs rather than worrying about the fact that they might personally be sued and punished for doing their jobs. You might remember from the George Floyd incident that the hold that Derek Chauvin was using was actually the hold 
in the Minneapolis police officer training book. He was doing the right thing according to the book and was nonetheless accused of murdering a man who died of a fentanyl overdose. Trump wants to use DOJ grants to encourage police departments to return to effective methods of policing like stop and frisk and actually enforcing gun laws rather than refusing to enforce gun laws and then using each and every major gun related crime to attempt to outlaw guns in the first place. He also wants to allow ICE to actually deport criminal aliens. Again, all of that is in direct opposition to what the global regime wants. Stop and frisk is racist. They don't want to enforce gun laws because the people violating the gun laws and mass are criminal gangs that just so happen to run the global regime's drug trade and the global regime's human trafficking trade. And deportation, of course, is racist, too even though it is the most obvious and most moral legal response to people from other countries breaking our laws. Think again about the level of propaganda required to convince a society that enforcing its own laws against people who aren't even supposed to be in the country is racist. He wants to thwart the power of George Soros leftist prosecutors around the country. He's saying he's going to have the DOJ open a civil rights investigation into these prosecutors to make sure that they are fairly and equally applying the law. And of course, we know that they're not doing that. He wants the DOJ to pursue and break up gangs around the country. Who could possibly be opposed to that? Well, really nobody except through propaganda and censorship and our popular culture, we are taught that gang members have just fallen on rough times and had a tough childhood, and so they ended up in the gang. And what we need to do is make sure that our criminal justice system understands this and wants to rehab these people during their very short sentences in prison so that when they come back to the gang, They'll be much nicer people. And by the way, I think it's time that we all grow up and stop pretending that these gangs just organically come together in these big cities and they just find drugs from somewhere and start selling them and they just accidentally go shooting people now and then. This is all just another part of the international criminal enterprise that we are dealing with. They use the drug cartels in Mexico as their own private army to protect and facilitate the trafficking of drugs, weapons, and people. They're not all just clever entrepreneurs like we're told Jay-Z was when he was slanging rock back in Brooklyn. Trump is saying flat out he's willing to use the National Guard to make sure that law and order remain stable in cities around this country. I'm not sure there's too many people who would protest that at this point with the level of crime and seeing the fact that governors and mayors and police commissioners and district attorneys will not enforce the laws as they're written. And they will let a part of Seattle 
just be taken over by Antifa and call it a summer of love. We're talking about a situation where supposedly elected American politicians are allowing autonomous zones in their cities and in their states, while their duty is to protect the people of those cities and states, not help along a global political agenda and its propaganda effort. He also discussed the use of minors by these gangs. And in a way, that's unfortunate. No one wants to see kids and teenagers punished for the rest of their lives. But if kids and teenagers are doing brutal things on behalf of these gangs, if they are coerced or incentivized or otherwise convinced to go out and murder someone and they're a minor and they're not going to get in as much trouble as an adult. Well, if you're a gang and you don't have any morals, you don't have any principles, you don't care who goes down for what then all of a sudden you are actually incentivized to want the youngest people carrying this stuff out. And he wants the Second Amendment to be consistent around the nation. If you can conceal carry in Texas, then you should be able to in every other state because your rights don't go away. Your Second Amendment doesn't go away as you cross state lines. This entire thing is one massive middle finger to the entire global agenda, and particularly to people like George Soros, who focus on these issues specifically in their infiltration and their own political agenda. And it makes it even sillier that that guy Pedro Gonzalez came out over the weekend trying to tie Donald Trump to Soros and suggest that, no, it's not Ron DeSantis that Soros has any measure of control over it's Donald Trump. But that's how desperate the members of the DeSantis simp op are getting. Things are not going their way. So they're just grasping at this point. Yes, Donald Trump is controlled by George Soros. George Soros calls Trump or did call Trump before he called Putin and before he called Xi Jinping the most dangerous person in the world the biggest threat to democracy worldwide. But I know, I know it's all just a show. Trump and Soros are actually on the same team. Trump is controlled opposition leading us in to this grand dystopia that they've prepared for us. Now, there's no way that's true. But again, even if it is same answer as to what happens if they steal 2024, well, it doesn't matter because we only have two choices. Continue to push forward against the global regime in the war of all versus all, or we just give up and submit and hope that sex in the metaverse is all right. And now finally, I want to talk about the J6 footage getting handed over to Tucker Carlson. We're told there's 41,000 hours of footage that's been handed over to Tucker and his producers, Tucker's team. I talked about this a bit on Badlands Daily with CanCon this morning, and I understand that a lot of people are put off by the fact that all of this footage, rather than getting handed over to the public, because it is ours, by the way. The Congress exists as representatives of the people. They're not supposed to keep secrets from us. Again, that's something that we've accepted through propaganda and censorship and the messaging our culture has provided over the decades we've been alive. But they don't get to have all these secrets 
they can withhold from us while they make decisions based on the secrets that they just can't tell us about. Oh, we just can't trust you with these secrets, but don't worry. We're going to do the best thing for everybody. That's not supposed to happen. So I get the urge to demand that McCarthy release all of the footage to the general public. And again, that would be fine. I support that. That is one of the best case scenarios. But I do not think that doing it this way suggests there's some cover up. I think that doing it this way suggests that there is an information operation happening, as is always happening. I think that this is going to be virtually the same as the Twitter files. First of all, I don't think that Tucker was just handed 41,000 hours of raw footage like, hey, here, you guys go through this. Let's see what you find. I think that what we have is a prepared intelligence product that is being handed over the 41,000 hours of security footage provide the evidentiary background for whatever is compiled in the intelligence product so that the actual source material is there. And then Tucker is going to execute a narrative release to the general public, much the same way that people like Matt Taibbi and Lee Fang and Michael Schellenberger and Barry Weiss and Alex Berenson gave us the Twitter files. Are those the best people to give us the Twitter files? Absolutely not. Are they the best people to analyze it? Nope. Are they firmly connected with an empirical and observable reality? No. Do they deeply care about the censorship issue because they were censored? No again. So there's no level on which those people are the best to distribute that information, except the mainstream accepts them and pays attention to them, which means there's a chance that this information could go wide immediately and disrupt narratives immediately in a way that handing all this information over to people like us cannot achieve. Now, I'm not happy about that, and we can go into the reasons why it's difficult for us to achieve that. Those reasons are primarily due to the censorship regime, which still exists regardless of how much Elon Musk has quote unquote changed things. But either way, if we're talking about a massive public awakening, the first round going through the mainstream media is not the worst idea in the world. It's not my personal ideal. It might not be your ideal, but it might be the most effective, which means it's worth it to at least see what happens because the January 6th narrative is one of those narratives we know to be completely and absolutely falsified. Any cracks in that narrative will show that to the public and people are not going to have a big appetite for understanding that they've been lied to again about a very important subject for again over two years. And let's think back to the WikiLeaks releases. A few stories made it to the public but the general public mostly ignored them because they didn't think that the source was trustworthy. They didn't think that the evidence was real. They weren't going to spend the time going all the way through it. And anyone who did was not going to be someone they could trust. And even if they already trusted the person and someone was putting that information out, that person was guaranteed to get attacked by everything and everyone in the mainstream. So no one would ever listen to them. 
So once again, I appreciate the idealism and maybe we live in a different world right now where that wouldn't have the same outcome as it did with the WikiLeaks stuff, but I'm at least willing to give this the opportunity. And there's at least some reason to think that this might end up okay. And you can judge that based on the panic of the other side. Here are how some very J6 connected Democrat Communist Party Congress members have reacted. Adam Schiff yesterday said, Kevin McCarthy turned over J6 videos to right-wing propagandist Tucker Carlson, a man who spews Kremlin talking points, suggests J6 was a false flag, and spreads the big lie. Make no mistake, this isn't about transparency, it's about fueling dangerous conspiracy theories. Well, Adam Schiff, Russiagate was a conspiracy theory. The Ukraine impeachment was a conspiracy theory. January 6th absolutely was a false flag. And the big lie about election fraud is 100% true. The election was stolen. Adam Schiff knows all those things. He won't admit any of those things, obviously, because he would then just be calling himself a liar. So instead, he doubles down on all those things, knowing the truth is about to come out. He's trying to cement that narrative as deeply as he can so that people will ignore what they're about to see. And that's going to be effective on certain people. For everyone else, it's not going to be effective at all. And they will see Adam Schiff's messaging for exactly what it is, a blatant lie to cover up a much more damaging truth. Adam Schiff is panicking, also panicking. Representative Jamie Raskin, McCarthy giving 40,000 hours of January 6th tape to a pro-Putin journalist is an astounding ethical collapse. What security precautions were taken to keep this from becoming a roadmap for 2024 insurrection? Why isn't it available to all media and public? Smell the MAGA propaganda coming. Well, okay, Friar Cuck, but all I can smell is your unmitigated panic. And how about this for a conspiracy theory? Friar Cuck is suggesting that Tucker Carlson, the information Tucker Carlson is about to release, is going to help in the planning of a 2024 insurrection. Like all the made up imaginary insurrectionists are going to study this tape as if it's like game film and their football coaches. Oh, you know, when the uh, Capitol Police started firing those grenades at us, we really should have been playing a zone defense. <laughs> it's so ridiculous. And he's also encouraging all the footage to be made available to all media and the public. Well, if it was made available to all the public, wouldn't we be able to study it even better, Friar Cuck? I don't understand your logic. And Benny Thompson, one of the leaders of the Sham J6 committee, put out a full statement from his office. He said, when the select committee obtained access to U.S. Capitol Police video footage, it was treated with great sensitivity, given concerns about the security of lawmakers, staff and the Capitol complex. Access was limited to members and a small handful of investigators and senior staff. 
and the public use of any footage was coordinated in advance with the Capitol Police. It's hard to overstate the potential security risks if this material were to be used irresponsibly. If Speaker McCarthy has indeed granted Tucker Carlson, a Fox host who routinely spreads misinformation and Putin's poisonous propaganda, and his producers access to this sensitive footage, he owes the American people an explanation of why he has done so and what steps he has taken to address the significant security concerns at stake. Well, hey, Benny Thompson, the security concerns you just described were that of lawmakers, staff, and the Capitol complex. How come you're not concerned with the security of American citizens exercising their rights to free speech and free assembly or their rights not to be held without trial or be deprived in their defense of exculpatory evidence? It sounds like Benny Thompson and Jamie Raskin and Adam Schiff are concerned about their own security. Because what is going to happen when the entire country realizes that these people have lied to them the entire time? One of the impeachment managers for the second impeachment hoax, the one about the very violent insurrection, David Cicilline from Rhode Island, has decided to leave Congress in June after just being reelected. And that news comes a day after the news that McCarthy is giving Tucker Carlson access to the J6 footage. So Cicilline goes from pretending to try the duly elected president who is, quote unquote, no longer president at the time in an impeachment trial to prevent him from, quote unquote, ever running again based on January 6th. Now that guy has just decided to leave Congress and go work for his foundation in Rhode Island. That's an awful lot of panic coming from the side of the global regime. It's their security they're worried about. It's their exposure as liars that they're worried about. And think about the downstream effects of that. Back to what we were talking about at the beginning. Society enforcing its own limitations on people's free speech. They are fighting for that side in the war of all against all. And as the lies of the people in power are exposed, the ignorance of the people following them is exposed. And all of those people know how they've treated people like you. And when that happens, when these truths are fully publicly known, the incentive structure that encouraged them to participate on that side in the first place is completely reversed. These people will not be casting others out as pariahs as they have for the last three years. It's going to be them cast out. It will be up to them. They will either decide to join our side and work to fix things, making themselves redeemable communists, by the way. Or they're going to go absolutely crazy. One thing they're not going to be able to do is avoid the truth because nothing can stop it. We are already too far down the line. And truthfully, I don't even think their scare events have a chance of working at this point. There is only one direction to go. We need to walk bravely and proudly in that direction. Speak up. Use your voice. If you want a fast forward button because you're sick of all this stuff. That's the one to press. 
I'll be back tomorrow at the same reasonable time on the same reasonable podcast network. I don't have a network. Masks and lockdowns don't work. They lied to you about a pandemic. And Joe Biden will never be president. In my mind, that's the end game. If you're listening to this episode for free, you can support me and support the show and the work I do by signing up for a paid subscription at imyourmoderator.substack.com. You can do so for as low as $50 a year or $5 a month. Comes out to under a quarter per episode and you'll blast right through the paywall for all of the writing. The merch store is www.cancelcouture.com and you can find everything else by heading to Linktree. Linktree.com slash I'm your moderator. And I'll see you soon out on the range. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. In my mind, that's the end game. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to follow what I'm reading and thinking throughout the day, you can do that by downloading the Telegram Messenger app and going to t.me slash I'm your moderator. On social media, you can follow me on Truth Social, Getter, and Gab at I'm Your Moderator. I also have channels on Rumble and BitChute. If you'd like to follow the writing, you can find me at I'mYourModerator.substack.com. The merch site is CancelCouture.com or go direct shop.spreadshirt.com slash cancel dash couture. If you'd like to support the podcast financially, the best place to do that is Kofa. Go to ko-fi.com slash 
I'm your moderator. And all of these details will appear in the show notes with each episode. I'll see you soon, down on the range. It's hell!